0: Hi, and welcome to the Wise Healthy Bites podcast. I'm Beth. And I'm Catherine. With a combined 29 years of experience as registered dietitians, we're here to share real life nutrition tricks and lifestyle tips that we hope will inspire you to make healthful choices in the aisles of the supermarket and in life. This is episode number 39, Myth Busting, the Vegetarian Diet Edition. And on today's episode, we'll dispel the five most common myths about a vegetarian eating pattern
1: hi everyone and as always thank you for tuning in well plant-based and vegetarian eating patterns are certainly gaining in popularity right now even among regular meat eaters and so we figured that some people might be wondering about becoming a vegetarian so that's what we're going to tackle in today's episode and Even if you don't want to go 100% vegetarian, keep on listening because we will be sharing helpful tips for everyone since plant-based eating is such a hot topic right now.
0: That's right, Catherine. It sure is. But first we want to introduce our very special guest today. We've really enjoyed having special guests join us. And this one is a member of our very own wise dietitian team. We have Kimberly Asman with us and she is the rock star dietitian uh, in our New Jersey market area. Kimberly is also our resident vegetarian expert and we're so excited to have her on with us today to really share some perspectives as well as some of her just like everyday approaches to vegetarian eating.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Yay. Uh, Okay, so before we jump
1: in, let's just differentiate between what vegetarian is and what vegan is. So Kimberly, can you give us a little explanation?
2: Yeah, that's a great place to start because there are a lot of variations. So this might look different from person to person, but in general, a vegetarian diet is going to avoid meat, poultry, and fish. But it may still include dairy, some milk products and eggs, but vegan, on the other hand, don't include any animal products at all, so no meat, poultry, fish, dairy or eggs, or anything derived from animal products, such as honey or gelatin.
0: Yeah, that definitely helps to kind of clarify and set the stage a little bit. And we just want to note too, you know, quickly that people do become vegetarians for a variety of reasons, including health, animal welfare, religious beliefs, or just simply a desire to eat in a way that uses less environmental resources. So it's a very personal choice. Um, and really what we want to shine a light on today is just that when adequately planned, vegetarian diets can be healthful, nutritionally adequate, and lower one's risk for certain chronic diseases like diabetes and heart disease because they tend to be lower in saturated fat and cholesterol, as well as then higher in fiber, vitamins, and minerals.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so I think, you know, what we really want to dive into right now are these misconceptions and these myths, because there are so many misconceptions when it comes to being vegetarian. So let's jump right in. So myth number one, this is my favorite, and I feel like you hear this all the time. So myth number one, you'll have to eat fake meat and tofu, (laughs) So yeah, Kimberly, is one.
2: this true? Give us is the not scoop. true. <laughs> that's probably the first thing that comes to people's mind. If they think vegetarian, they think tofu and you certainly can eat tofu. It is a really good vegetarian source of protein. So you definitely can include it if you like it, but you also absolutely don't have to, if you're not a fan or you just haven't found a way to cook it that you like yet, you definitely don't have to. And then as for any kind of like fake meat or meat substitutes, there are so many products out there now, things like veggie burgers or crumbles or veggie chicken nuggets that try to imitate like the flavor and texture of meat. You can include those. They can be like a really good transition food if you don't know where to start. And you're just looking for flavors that you're familiar with. So you absolutely can, but long-term they can be high in sodium, maybe a little bit lower in protein. So you just might want to take a closer look at the nutrition eventually. Um, And you definitely don't have to include them. If you don't like them, there are a lot of other plant-based proteins that you can eat instead.
1: Very good. And I will say I'm not a vegetarian, but I do like tofu. It's just all about cooking it right. I like to put that little disclaimer out there
2: because I feel like people really knock on tofu, but. I, I like
0: it. They sure do. I, agree. I I
2: found one way that I like to cook it and I get it very crunchy and really good. And that's I'll eat it then.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: Okay, wait. Tell me what that is. I need to know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you put a little cornstarch on it. You start with like extra firm tofu. You put a little cornstarch. I followed recipes for this and then you saute it in oil for like a long time and make sure okay. you okay single side. And eventually it gets crunchy
0: and it's really good. Nice. Okay. Thank you. Got well, it. I think if I understand correctly too, one tip with tofu, like in, prior to maybe that kind of, um, you know, cooking technique is also to do like pat off any extra moisture. Cause I feel like that is something where I've prepared before and it just more so steams it. And then the texture is just really not very appealing. So there you add the texture. And then if you kind of just get that additional moisture out, that'll help make the difference too.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: And I think Kimberly, you've also shared with us too, when we've like talked about, you know, one of our podcast episodes was about the impossible burger. And, you know, there's a lot of now different brands that are really trying to mimic meat in a lot of different attributes of meat, as far as like the flavor, the texture, and even some what the nutrition profile, um, you know, but most vegetarians you are saying that you aren't really you know, into that, like you don't eat meat for a reason and you really don't want to eat something that replicates it to that extent.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I definitely like, I'm not looking for the taste of meat. I think if I really really wanted to have the taste of meat, then I would eat real meat, which I I don't want to include that in my diet. Um, but I I definitely know people that they work really well for. Um, and if you're trying to make like a lot of times a more complicated vegetarian or vegan recipe that's replicating some kind of meat, then you might use them a little bit more, but Mm. yeah, I'm not a big fan.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that kind of leads perfectly then into our uh, myth number two, um, which is all around protein. Um, So myth number two is that you can't get enough protein from plants. And what do you say about
2: that? (laughs) The biggest one, whenever anyone is vegetarian, vegan, the first thing anyone in the world will say is where do you get your protein from? And the answer is everywhere. There are so many plant-based sources of protein. So there are things like beans, lentils, soy, whole grains, to name a few, but there are really so many more. And to give you an idea of how much protein some of these sources have, something like beans, so black beans, for example, in just a half cup, you're going to get eight grams of protein and you might be eating more than a half cup. And that's pretty comparable to like a chickpea or a kidney bean. They're all really good sources of protein. And then something else that you can grab some protein in, is oatmeal. So one cup of oatmeal actually has six grams of protein, which I think is a great fact because whole grains can have some protein in it. So that's a good example of, even though you might be looking at it as your starch or the carb of the meal, you can get a little bit of protein there too. And then you can also get seven grams of protein in one cup of soy milk. So if you are looking for like a plant-based milk alternative, soy milk is going to be the closest nutritionally to cow's milk generally. So you can get a lot of protein there. And then nuts and seeds are just great sources and nut butter. So in two tablespoons of peanut butter or in a quarter cup of almonds, you're going to get eight grams of protein in addition to, you know, all the other nutritious benefits. And then if someone is including eggs and dairy products in their diet, then in one egg, you can get six grams of protein or in two thirds of a cup of Greek yogurt, you can get about 11 grams of protein. So if you are still including foods, it's a really easy way to get a lot of protein in.
0: Yeah. I bet our listeners are like, wow, I never would have like realize how quickly it can all add up when you mentioned all of those. And I'm so glad you really drew attention to the whole grains piece. For one, we talk about that in so many different ways and promote whole grains for so many different reasons. But this is just yet another one. So that if you are following a vegetarian diet, again, one that's adequately balanced and, you know, really focused on those good foods, I mean, you're getting so much good nutrition, you know, from making that whole grain switch from like the refined, you know, white flours and so forth, which we'll get into that as another myth um, in just a few moments too as well. But great examples there. Um, and just listeners for reference, I think it's always good to have kind of like a benchmark for protein needs. So women kind of on average need around 46 grams of protein per day and men around 56 grams of protein per day. And again, there's like variations here based on age, activity level, you know, health conditions. So, so many things. So this is just kind of a, a loose range here. Um, so you can really see again, to that point of how quickly the plant-based sources can add up to what, you know, that daily total is. So just even to quickly quantify um, some of the examples Kimberly shared, uh, you know, i oatmeal for breakfast with some peanut butter and almonds on top. That equals 22 grams. And that's just breakfast. So you can see it, you know, as a woman, if you're striving for 46 grams of protein per day, I mean, you're there in, you know, practically after just eating breakfast. And then if you plan well throughout the rest of the day, you'll have no issues there. So myth busted.
1: <laughs> I was just going to say the same thing. I'm so glad we busted that one because I feel like that is like Kimberly said, such a popular one. Like I'm a vegetarian. Well, how do you get your protein? So there are plenty of ways. All right. So myth number three, I also love this one. I mean, I love them all. So myth number three, a vegetarian diet is automatically healthy for you. What do you think about that one?
2: This is a (laughs) good one. And I think you could kind of say the same thing about a lot of different diets. They might be the implication is that just anything that falls under that diet is good for you, you know, insert diet, but for vegetarians specifically, I mean, are so many foods that are vegetarian naturally just because they don't include meat but it definitely doesn't automatically mean the food is nutrient dense or really healthful so i mean you can think of things like cookies or frozen meals that might be vegetarian but maybe they're really high in added sugars or they're high in sodium or anything like that and that's not to say you know you can never eat any of these foods you can certainly include them But if you are looking for more nutritious options, you know, just being vegetarian isn't enough. Um, So if you do want to go that extra step and look for more nutritious items, your best bet is definitely going to be to focus on more whole foods that provide just a variety of nutrients that we need. So things like whole grains, fruits, vegetables, nuts beans. And I mean, that's really a tip for anyone looking to include more nutritious foods. Even if you do include meat, you know, those are really good things to have too.
0: Absolutely. Yeah,
2: that's absolutely
1: right. That those are all of the things that we would recommend to anybody to include more of in their diet, to get more of those essential nutrients and the healthy fats and the fiber and
0: everything. So yeah. Awesome. And just, you know, ultimately to feel your best, you know, right. That's what we talk about with regards to food choices, you know, what really does fuel you well and make you feel, you know, kind of at top, at the top of your game. And it's like, you honestly both just read my mind right there. You can tell that we're in sync and we work so closely to share these messages. Um, so here we are already to myth number four. So vegetarian diets are not appropriate for certain populations like athletes, pregnant women, or even children.
2: This one is definitely a good one for anyone who is curious about being vegetarian, but maybe not sure if it's safe for them. And I think we can definitely bust this myth and say that a well-planned vegetarian diet can be appropriate for everyone at all life stages. So if anyone's concerned about that, you definitely can do it safely as long as it's well-planned. And when you're planning a vegetarian diet, there are certain nutrients that you want to look for and maybe you're more likely to not get enough of if you are including less animal products. So a few nutrients like iron, vitamin B12, omega-3 fatty acids, calcium, vitamin D, these are all just some things that you certainly can get enough of, but you need to be aware of what you're eating to make sure that you're doing that. And I would say if someone's curious about if they are getting enough of all of these nutrients, I would definitely recommend talking to one of our dietitians because we have such an awesome team a registered dietitians at wise and we provide one-on-one nutrition education. So if you are curious about your diet and making sure you're getting all the nutrients, I would say you can definitely set up a consultation with us and we will include the email address to do that in the show notes of this episode.
1: Perfect. Yes. We love and always open up our email. We love when people get in touch with us and ask us questions and, you know, use us as a resource. That's literally why we are here. Um, okay. So myth number five, our final myth, your meals
2: will be boring if you're a vegetarian. Yeah. I think for kind of going along with tofu, people might just say, (laughs) you just eat tofu and you just eat salads. Oh, that sounds awful. (laughs) (laughs) Which does sound really boring. Uh, but I think we can definitely bust this myth as well, because there really are so many foods that are vegetarian. I mean, we touched on a lot of the different protein sources but there are so many other foods that are naturally vegetarian or vegan that you can include and there are really so many ways to get new ideas and keep your meals interesting so i would say if someone feels stuck and they feel like what they're envisioning as a vegetarian diet is too boring then you could definitely check out a virtual class our wise dietitian classes often include vegetarian recipes or recipes that could easily be made vegetarian Um, Or we post a lot of recipes, you could use social media as a great resource to find vegetarian recipes, or like a cookbook there. It's really there are so many options out there, and so many things online to help you find recipe ideas for vegetarian meals.
0: That's right. So it shouldn't be an excuse, you know, because there are so many great ways, you know, and really anyone can benefit. I mean, you know, just from experimenting with new types of recipes. So I think we can all benefit from a little bit of recipe inspiration, um, you know, right now for sure. Um, and you know, this is always one of my favorite things to cover in the podcast is like, you know, like we have just shared all of these myths. We've busted five top myths related to vegetarian diets, but now for a listener, how do you then kind of put this lifestyle into practice? So now we get into the application part of it and give some really great examples. So, um, maybe after listening to this, you want to give it a try. Um, so where would you get started, Kimberly?
2: I would say a good place to start if you really just are not sure what to do Is start with a recipe that you already know, you already like, you already know how to cook it and just swap out the protein and keep everything else, you know, as you know. So some examples of that, if you're making chili, you can just leave out the ground meat, add some extra beans. Usually chili has beans in it already, too. Or you could add some quinoa to really bulk it up. And that would be a very easy switch. Or some other things you could do is put soy milk in smoothies instead of cow's milk. That's a very easy swap if you're looking for a plant based milk. Or if you're making tacos, this is, I'm going to talk about, this is one of my favorite meals. You can use lentils as a base for taco filling. It's very easy to do instead of ground meat. Um, And kind of going right along with that, if you're making hamburgers and you want to swap it to a veggie burger, using beans and whole grains like brown rice or quinoa to make that veggie patty is a great swap that you can do. Or if you're making a pasta dish that you really like, You know, you can leave the pasta, the sauce, everything the same. Just maybe take out the meatballs and add some beans instead and add some roasted vegetables to get a lot more flavor. And finally, if you are used to eating like a chicken salad or something, just take out the chicken, add some dried chickpeas and nuts to the salad to get some protein and crunch. And you can leave everything else the same. So I would say, you know, it doesn't have to be a huge diet overhaul. It can really just be simple swaps if you're looking for somewhere to start.
0: Yeah. Those are just such, uh, you know, awesome examples and I love them because they're so practical. It is just, you know, kind of like swap this out, swap this in, um, and to your point there, it doesn't have to be a complete diet overhaul to start to make that transition. Um, you know, and speaking of the transition, if you start to maybe explore and experiment with some of the different protein, um, I'm sorry, like plant-based protein alternatives that you would find like in our stores, for example, in the produce department, frozen foods department. I mean, now even some like within the fresh meats department, um, you really do want to make sure that you're doing some label reading. Sometimes those foods um, are much higher in sodium. Um, So making sure that the sodium is in, you know, within like a reasonable range for what your lifestyle calls for and making sure that it has some protein in it as well, which that's kind of, it seems like an obvious, but you know, so it sounds like some of those options may not really be a great source of protein. Is
2: that what you would say, uh, Kimberly? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can find a veggie burger that is really just only made of grains Mm -hmm. as a base not have any of those beans in there, for example. Um, So that would be one place where it's just not guaranteed. And you kind of would assume it would be because they are trying to replicate meat. But I think a lot of times it might be more focused on replicating the taste and the texture and things like that, not just the nutrition. Mm -hmm. I have to admit, I've
0: actually, I've tried um, a meatless, like a plant-based type of meatball product once and just purchased it quickly kind of on impulse. And when I got it home and actually then looked at it before cooking it, the sodium was kind of insane. So I was like, note to self, read those labels. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we would. We
1: always recommend label reading. So um, I think something I would do is try to find a friend who is already eating a vegetarian lifestyle and see if they could give me some ideas or even find a friend who's interested in it. And then maybe you two can try it together. I mean, everything's better when you have a friend doing it with you. So Mm -hmm. Um, and I also think something else is to not try to do it all overnight. I think that would be very overwhelming. Um, maybe you try one new meatless recipe a week, um, or just start by cutting out red meat, but then you still include chicken for a couple weeks. And then in a the couple weeks, you, um, you know, start excluding the chicken. So don't overwhelm
2: yourself. Um, I mean, it's your own journey and do it on your own pace. Yeah, I think that's a really good tip. And that's, I think a common transition is a lot of people start by cutting out red meat and going from there. Or if someone's trying to be vegan, you know, you might start by being vegetarian mm-hmm. at step so that it's not so much at once. And I think something else you can do is just look for restaurants that, you know, you already like and have some good vegetarian options so that you are prepared if you want to eat out, you know where to go or if you want to order food. And that's really it's very doable. Most restaurants nowadays have at least one option. But if you're looking for somewhere with, you know, more than just one option, um, I tend to find that Italian or Mexican restaurants just have a lot of foods that are naturally vegetarian, you know, Italian has a lot of pasta, Mexican uses a lot of beans and things like that. So I think finding restaurants with those types of foods is a great way to go. Yeah, that's and then
1: maybe you can take that as inspiration to make those meals at home for yourself after you give them a try at the mm-hmm. restaurant. So that's a great idea. Um, okay, so what does the a day in the life of a vegetarian look like, Kimberly? I cannot <laughs> wait to hear this. <laughs> I so love it. Think,
2: I think it could be different for everyone. So like a disclaimer that just, you know, because I like something doesn't mean it's appropriate or the right thing for someone else to eat. And not every vegetarian day looks the same. I think some of the things I eat might be a little bit atypical, (laughs) Uh, but just to kind of walk you through some common things that I eat. And I think this, it does shine a light on some, you know, plant-based proteins that I like and things like that. But when I eat breakfast, this is definitely the most atypical. I like to have chickpeas that I make buffalo flavored. So I saute them with hot sauce and garlic powder and olive oil. It's so good. And then I saute veggies on the side and I have some berries for something sweet. But if you don't want to do all that, you know, I like to get in a lot of veggies and fruit just to start my day. But if you don't want to do that, there are really so many breakfast foods that are typical breakfast foods and are already vegetarian. Mm -hmm. So things like oatmeal or cereal or pancakes, the list goes on or eggs or yogurt are all vegetarian breakfast options as well. But I have to say the buffalo flavored chickpeas,
1: sorry, sound really delicious to me, but I don't think I could do it for breakfast. I'm going to have to push that to lunch or dinner.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that's more normal. I don't know. I've just started the habit and I can't stop. I don't <laughs> go through these, but they're so good. Um, so that's kind of something I like to have for breakfast a lot. Or sometimes if I want like something really quick, I make a smoothie and I do um, original soy milk, peanut butter, banana, chia seeds, and I sprinkle a little cinnamon in there. Mm. Very yummy combo, getting in some fruit, some protein from the soy milk and peanut butter. So I like that too. And then when it comes to lunch, lunch definitely looks different for me every day. It's usually leftovers from dinner the night before. But one thing that I love to make, and I mentioned this, is taco filling. So I make a huge batch of taco filling for dinner, and I base it with cauliflower rice and lentils. And so you're kind of getting your protein and your veggies all in one. And the rest is kind of, you know, onions, garlic, taco seasoning, typical things. So I have tacos for dinner and then I taco salad for like three or four days because I make so much of this. And I just put it with lettuce, cheese, some tortilla chips, some salsa. Very easy lunch and very easy to bring with me if I'm on the go. And
1: I think lentils would have mm-hmm. a kind of similar texture to meat too. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like how beans do. Like I feel like the texture would be similar. And when you add all the other stuff on there. Um, I might have to get your recipe for that. Just an FYI.
0: Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) And and I love that for that example, that you can make it ahead. You know, we do kind of encourage batch cooking when possible. So you do have the easy leftovers for additional meals. So, I mean, that's, and gosh, who doesn't love, you know, kind of Mexican style cuisine and all those flavors. So I, I'm, I'm with Catherine on that one. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're going to need that recipe.
2: (laughs) Definitely lentils. Like when you cook lentils, they're really soft. So they do lend themselves to that texture around me taco filling. Um, and I think seasoning is key there. I use so much seasoning when I make that. And I think it really enhances the flavor and quick question
0: on lentils. So I know there's a couple different varieties and I, Mm -hmm. I also just need some schooling here on this, to be honest, what type of lentils do you recommend?
2: Right? Like red lentils or the, the green or. Yeah. Okay. So I like to use green. Um, they, to put it simply, like they stay a little bit more whole when you make them, Mm when. Red lentils, they're very easy to get kind of like mushy and blended together, which might be the texture that someone is going for if you're making like a patty or something. Um, But I like to stick to green lentils and I just get them straight from dried. You can get canned lentils too. Um, With beans, if you get dried, they take a really long time to soak, Mm -hmm. but don't actually take that long. Um, So you can just kind of cook them in a pot and have them ready to go. You don't have to soak them overnight or anything like that.
1: Yeah, I like the canned lentil option right mm-hmm. now. I think I'll try that out, and that's actually good to know about the red versus green because I did attempt red lentils once, and it was a miserable fail. Oh,
2: no. And it
1: was just kind of they. It was it was just a pile of bush. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, it's very easy to like overcook them.
1: Yep, definitely overcooked them.
2: <laughs> oh, that's and then tip. let's see other things I like to eat when it comes to dinner. I mean, I. Um, have definitely experimented over the years with some more complicated vegetarian or vegan recipes. But if I'm looking for something quick and I'm like, what am I going to make tonight? I have nothing planned. A couple of my go-tos. One is I make whole wheat pasta and I saute it with olive oil, garlic, and veggies. And usually I'll have a glass of soy milk or something on the side to get a little more protein in there. Or you could add beans to it. Um, And then one of my other go-tos, I just love a good quesadilla and it's so easy to make. So I'll do, I always have whole wheat tortillas um, or any kind of tortilla in the fridge. And I fill that with cheese, and black beans, and I like to saute peppers and onions. So Mm -hmm. quesadilla is a go-to for sure. And then, yeah. And when it comes to any kind of snacks or anything like that, I mean, definitely there's a lot of variety, but some things I've really been liking lately, I really like kind bars or any kind of granola bar that has nuts in it. So it's filling, um, or a couple of my go-to snacks. I definitely like crackers and peanuts lately. Crackers and cheese is another very easy go-to that I love, uh, or I like to snack on popcorn. Mm -hmm. That's a good one, but really uh, when you think of snack foods, a lot of them are vegetarian. So there's a a lot of ways you could go with that, but those are some of the things that I like to eat. Yeah.
1: I'm going to be honest. Okay. You've inspired me. Like now I'm hungry for every single thing that you just mentioned. So going to be adding it into the rotation.
0: (laughs) Well, and I think you just have done a really awesome job at showcasing, like just the amount of variety you can easily include into your diet. So, you know, we know that was a myth that we kind of busted there, you know, that it's, it's lacking in variety, but I mean, there's a lot of different ways right there. You could take your, your day to day kind of eating. And I think when you are honest with yourself, don't we all kind of eat similar things every day anyway? Like we all kind of have our go-to, you know, meals and snacks and things. So, um, I think that's great. And actually we'll have to share some different recipes You know, with within the show notes, because we do have some really great vegetarian, you know, options for sure to help you get started, um, you know, with the addition of Kimberly's inspiration here too. Um, so now what would you say are kind of your top five kitchen staples? Like, what are things you would always have on hand for some of these quick, you know, easy recipes? And I'm already thinking of some that you will probably mention.
2: (laughs) Yeah, my first one uh, is definitely chickpeas. I definitely, I said I, I like them for breakfast, but I, I could eat chickpeas all day. I roast them, put them on salads. I don't know why, but they're my favorite. So I just <laughs> have a lot of cans of chickpeas in the cabinet at all times. And they're also very affordable. Um, they're a very cheap source of protein and they stay because they're in a can. So tons of chickpeas, always have them on hand. I can throw them into meals in so many ways. Uh, And then something else I mentioned, I like this for smoothies, but I always like to have original soy milk in the fridge um, just because I am looking for a plant-based milk. I have cow's milk too, but I like original soy milk um, and one that's not flavored or sweetened because I find that's a really good replacement for cow's milk in most things. If it doesn't have any flavorings or anything, you know, it's not gonna alter that, Uh, but original soy milk, I make a lot of smoothies. I use it for baking things like that. I like to have that on hand. And then the third thing I like to have is extra virgin olive oil. Um, And that's, I just love the taste. I cook pretty much everything in olive oil every day. I I really like the flavor of it. And I find if you're looking to add more vegetables into your diet, whether, you know, you're vegetarian or you just want to go more plant-based or whatever it is, olive oil adds a great flavor to vegetables. I think it really helps me enjoy them more. So like sauteed or roasted in olive oil. I always have that on hand for sure and then two more things i like to have frozen vegetables on hand you know i've mentioned vegetables a lot i try to eat a lot of them and sometimes i'll run out or they go bad i just like to have one or two bags of frozen vegetables in the freezer at all times uh very easy to kind of throw into a vegetarian or vegan meal when you have that there and then the last thing i always like to have whole wheat pasta in the pantry just because, you know, it had some fiber, it has a little bit of protein, and I just really enjoy the flavor of it. And that I mentioned for my quick dinner, whole wheat pasta is, is my go-to. If I don't have a recipe planned, then I like to use that in my meals. So that's something I always recommend having.
1: So as you were going through this list, it totally occurred to me that I also have all of these things on hand at all times. Except I do almond milk versus soy milk for no, literally no particular reason, but that's what I put in my like coffee. Yeah. It just really made me laugh when you said that. I was like, oh my gosh, I always have this too.
0: I was (laughs) going to say this exact same thing. I do not have the soy milk on hand, but, um, every other ingredient there that you just noted. And for all, basically the same reason (laughs) it's like, (laughs) yeah, exactly.
1: So again, that again, just goes to show you that it's easy to eat more plant-based. I mean, these are all like all of these things are regular ingredients that anybody could have in their kitchen. So,
0: Mm -hmm. all right, Beth, what is our takeaway tip for the week? Yeah. You know, I, I think Kimberly has given us such awesome inspiration and just some really approachable strategies to transition to a vegetarian way of eating and a very nutritious approach. Um, you know, so I think if anyone is interested, I would just recommend maybe starting with that one meal, give it a try with some of Kimberly's recommendations. We'll share some recipe ideas in our show notes, uh, and just see what happens. I think nothing can be, um, a negative that would come out of this. You might just explore a new way of eating and, you know, reap some really great benefits from that.
1: I love it. All right. Thanks everyone for tuning in. You can get in touch with us by joining the wise dietitians, Facebook group, simply search for wise healthy bites on Facebook, or you can email us at wise dietitians at wisemarkets.com.
0: The information shared in this podcast is intended for education only and is not intended to be a substitute for a medical diagnosis or treatment. The Wise Markets Healthy Bites podcast is owned and distributed by Wise Markets and Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation. Any rebroadcast or other use of this podcast without the express written consent of Wise Markets and Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation is strictly prohibited. Please click subscribe
2: so you won't miss a single episode.